You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 292. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Clark. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. You have reached another Local Maximum. I'm joined today by Aaron. Aaron, thank you so much for coming back on the show. I really need you because after these two... Uh, Two solo shows, you know, there's only so much I could talk on my own. And I'm sorry, I need to, like, get some more guests on here, but but we're working on it. Well, I, I, I thought uh, last week's solo show was was a good one. I, I, I was getting really animated listening to it, and, and I think it'll actually tie into our, our main topic today. But, but before we right. get to that, well, you, yeah, you had some stuff you wanted to talk about. Yeah, well, last week's episode was, was twofold, right? It was about... Um, it was about archive.org, and I think that's the part that, that's going to tie in today about how, man, people trying to give away free information, especially the, the little guys who are doing it, are getting crushed because a lot of these articles are about, you know, not major corporations using, you know, uh, people's works for, for free and stuff. It's, it's, it's about like nonprofits and small players. And, and that to me is, is somewhat um, somewhat strange, alarming. I don't, I don't, I don't know what it is, but um, but uh, I, I again, if you listen to it, I don't have a full prescription of it. I have feelings, I have facts. I don't have a full story uh, to go along with, with this. But but these these issues of uh, copyright and fair use are going to be uh, they well they have been important in the past, but they're going to take on new meaning in the next few years. I think. All right. So before we get into that um, update. You remember I wrote a new constitution. I am almost ready to publish what I have here, but as you could see, this front page has a bit of markings, so I'm still <laughs> I'm still writing. The second page has a lot of markings, but the rest of them have almost no markings, and I and I went through it. So I just need to rewrite. It's always like those first two pages. I want to be perfect, and I don't know how to do that, but um, I think there's a lot that we could talk about. Um, there's a lot I want to talk to you about. Maybe we could do a, an episode on apportionment and different electoral systems that we could try that 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 might work that 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 I've found through this and I think I think we we enjoy talking about that I assume you enjoy talking about that so maybe we could talk about that uh in a future episode uh last week uh this is the paper on the Bertrand paradox I don't know if you remember that one as well yep. uh so that was kind of interesting I, I don't know what else to say about that other than <laughs> did you get uh did you get the impression that Bertrand paradox was was resolved by this fourth option or or uh, no? yeah. I, I don't think I was following it closely enough to to be confident in that yeah yeah me neither all right so we're gonna go through some headlines and then we're gonna talk about uh, we're gonna talk about copyright and 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 data science uh, headline number one a California commission allows Waymo and Cruz to operate taxi service in San Francisco, removing most of the restrictions. You could now, uh, you know, the restrictions before were they had to be between this time and this time. And, you know, if you wanted to charge money, you had to use a safety driver and things like that. Apparently, according to these articles, a lot of these have been removed and they could be 24-7 throughout San Francisco. Um, I'm surprised that... San Francisco, and the commission is the California Public Utilities Commission. I'm surprised that San Francisco is, maybe I'm not surprised that San Francisco is doing this, but man, San Francisco has a lot of other problems to deal with that they are not dealing with effectively, uh, you know, such as uh, 
you know, all their stores shutting down. So I don't know where you're going to drive other than driverless car. <laughs> get me out of here. <laughs> but uh, um, no, I'm glad they're doing it. And um, I feel like the I feel like, you know, everyone's like, this is the turning point. This is it. And I say that a lot. But again, it's always this is a much this is always a step by step industry. Um, yeah, and, and I, I don't have it in front of me right now, but I was under the impression that that uh, one of these companies had, had also been uh, given permission to operate in, in uh, a couple of additional cities. Uh, oh, yeah, um, that's good, too. Uh, what was it? Yeah, back in back in July, it looks like Cruise got permission to to begin operation in some uh, some East Coast cities. Uh, but but oh, yeah, I don't anywhere have the, near us. Uh I don't think so. Um, oh, uh, Miami is mentioned. So not near us, but someplace that, that you uh, occasionally do go. Yes, occasionally, as in <laughs> once every couple years, maybe. So, and uh, yeah, it might be a while. Uh, but yeah, okay, exciting. You know, maybe I, I want to say like, you know, the, the real East Coast, Northeast, uh, <laughs> they'll, they'll hopefully be coming soon. Well, there, right. there's some some challenges there that may not be present in a Miami or a California uh, right. when it comes to winter driving. Right. Um, I don't know right. if that's actually a a heavy lift for uh, for autonomous driving, but I could see it being something that they haven't uh, yet optimized for. Yeah. Although uh, California, particularly Southern California, this week might be a little uh, rough well. with the hurricane and all that. Um, all right. Semiconductor flop. Uh, semiconductor scientists, according to the, oh, no, Times. the the superconductor. Oh right, semiconductor. What's a semiconductor? Uh, so so semiconductors uh, is is just the whole silicon industry, right? That's true. We talked about semiconductor, didn't I? I mean, when, when I interviewed, I, I'm sure ASML. semiconductor actually has has a very specific uh, definition, but I don't have it at my fingertips. I did a whole show. I covered <laughs> semiconductors. All right, sorry, superconductors. Superconductor scientist faces investigation as paper is retracted. I don't know what a superconductor is, to be honest with you, but apparently we're not getting it. At least um, not room temperature so, ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that was a that was a big deal. Um, and now it's not a big deal anymore. So I'm glad yeah. we didn't. I'm glad it, we didn't it was at least it was fascinating to see attempts at replication, you know, right. happening in real time yes. and, and a resolution to it. Now, now let's just do that for everything else in science. Yes. You know what? That's uh, right. Because all of the it, it kind of goes to show how, you know, a lot of the oh, it's been scientifically shown. There's a link between this and this or like none of that's replicated and how. OK, well. You could make these claims, and oftentimes they turned out not to be true if they can't be replicated. So. Yeah, it, it was ex- exciting to live through. Uh, disappointing that it, it didn't pan out. Yeah, well, we'll live through some other cool stuff in the future, I'm sure. Um, all right, so tomorrow I'm going to the Soho Forum. This is a debate between Corey DeAngelis and Stefan Kinsella. Uh, the debate is on school choice, but what's interesting is that I know Kinsella, his big thing is that he argues against all copyright law and all patent law, he thinks it all should go away. I'm sort of, hmm. you know, I, I kind of, uh, I'm interested in that position. Uh, and so that's kind of interesting for our discussion on, on prose craft today. I think that, um, you know, we don't have to take that extreme position to look at what, what's going on here and, and you know, try to, try to pull it apart. But let's talk about prose craft. So there's this article in Wired uh, about a small company called Prosecraft that was shut down after being um, 
hounded down by uh, by the hordes of the uh, the the of internet mob. Is, is that does that sound like what what the article was going for at least? Yeah, and and, I, and to refer to it as a company is 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 perhaps overstating it. Uh, yeah, it's a guy with it, a project, which is like me with a lot of different things. <laughs> so I kind of feel for this guy. Yeah, it, it, there's there's. Uh, I guess David versus Goliath is not the right the right metaphor here. It's 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 more like uh, David versus the unruly mob. Uh, mm. But uh, well, David lost though. Y- yeah, yeah. Well, uh, he he he's 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 walking away, but but he's he's taken the L. Oh right, right. He's not. He he wasn't torn apart by the mob. He just said, "Okay, I'm not sorry. yet." Yeah. All right. So the article opens. Harry Kunzru wasn't looking for a fight on August seventh. The Brooklyn-based writer, that's your problem right there, sat on the subway scrolling through social media. He noticed several authors grumbling about a linguistic analysis site called Prosecraft. It provided breakdowns of writing and narrative styles for more than 25,000 titles, offering linguistic statistics like adverb count and ranking word choices according to how vivid or passive they appeared. Kunzru pulled up Prosecraft website to check whether any of his work appeared. Yep. There it was. Now, first of all, I should point out, you know, this is making the forefront of the news because of, you know, um, generative AI, LLMs, uh, open, um, chat GPT, all that stuff. This, this kind of stuff has been available for decades. This is not, these algorithms are not particularly sophisticated, is my understanding. Yeah. I mean, you, you certainly could use some AI-like tools oh, yeah. for this, but, but uh, the, the, Digging a little bit deeper, it sounds like that's barely the case in this implementation here. Um, yeah, that that maybe maybe he talked about AI uh, in in his you know in his uh, funder deck trying to to uh, you know get get investors, but but it's it this this is not a large language model. This is not OpenAI or ChatGPT. Right. This is this is very different. Right, but I mean, I I, I do think there the connection is. Those tools and those uh, breakthroughs or those innovations uh, have put the spotlight on this kind of thing. Absolutely, um, yeah. Pe- people are a lot more sensitive about uh, how how their work, their data, their material might be used because of concerns that have been raised by LLMs in the last right. six to eighteen months. So many authors saw their books on there. They wanted their books or their works taken down. All. All he was doing was analyzing the writing styles, it sounds like, um, and it uses the, the, the loaded term steals. I saw there's another uh, article in the MarySue.com where it says, Benji Smith steals thousands of books. I kind of picture him like running into a bookstore and just like, you know, putting some in his backpack and like carrying a stack out and just like hobbling away and like just stealing the book as if like that. that's what very, was going Very uh, Hamburglar-esque. Yeah, I know, but... Uh, <laughs> but no, it's, you know, a lot of this stuff is just laying around on the internet and people want to treat it the same way. And I think uh, over time, I don't think that analogy is going to necessarily hold up, but, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, some more uh, stuff from the article, some at Harsh Words for Smith, Entitled Tech Bro, Soulless Troll, Scavenger, uh, shit stain, if I may say that on the podcast, uh, a Bloody Hemorrhoid. Yeah, this is already... <laughs> You know, this is stuff for the podcast. For, sorry for those of you who are uh, who who are listening to us over meals. 
These are published authors. I expect better from their insults. This is this is very pedestrian. Yeah. Well, you know, I I think the, the 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 problem here is that. Who, who is, and, and look, I don't know this person, um, Benji Smith, but he doesn't sound like, he sounds like a, a software engineer who decided to build a project. He doesn't sound like some troll or some tech bro, as they say. It's just, Yes, but, but it, he's not a liberal arts major. Therefore, he is a tech bro and part of uh, you know, Big Brother and is okay. evil. But what kind of tech bro is like, you know how we're going to m- screw people over and make lots of money? We're going to do literary analysis. Stop <laughs> asking reasonable questions, Max. <laughs> okay. Until this past May, Smith had, had held a full-time job as a software engineer, but he'd quit to focus on his startup, a desktop word processor aimed at literary types called Shakespeare. Yes, pronounced—oh, pronounced Shakespeare, but shelled uh, Shakespeare. Okay. Shakespeare— doesn't make much money, not enough to cover its cloud expenses yet, Smith says, less than $10,000 annually, but he's feeling optimistic about it. You know, don't we all? This doesn't sound like someone have to rip people off, uh, you know. Uh, and there are a lot of people around to rip, rip people off, but it doesn't sound like one of them. Another quote, Smith saw this as a grimy means to a justifiable end. He doesn't defend his behavior now. Ah, I understand why everyone is upset. I should do a voice for him. But he wants to explain how he defended it to himself at the time. What I believe would happen in the long run is if I could show people this thing, people would say, well, it's so cool and it's never been done before and it's so fun and useful and interesting. And then people would submit their manuscripts willfully and, and generously. And publishers would want to have their books on prosecraft, he said. But there was no way to convey what this thing could be without building it first. So I went about getting the data the only way I knew how, which was it's all there on the Internet. Um, so uh, I, I don't think he did anything wrong. In fact, it sounds like he fully intended it to be ultimately some kind of um, uh, voluntary thing, you know, once he started to make money off it, which he, he never ended up doing. Uh, you know, he wasn't profiting off their work, and it didn't seem like he had a very yeah, I mean, big... So, to be fair, um, yes. so there's, there's, there's a lot of fair use uh, ambiguity in what – part of the problem with fair use and, and why, um, you know, if you were to, say, sample a piece of music, uh, you know, if we wanted to use uh, commercial music for the intro to the podcast, uh, there, is, there is not a lawyer who will tell you definitively, oh, you can use 10 seconds, but not 20, or you can use 15, but not 30, because there there is not a clearly defined set of criteria and, and rules for where fair use ends and copyright infringement begins. It's a multi-point test that involves a lot of entrance balancing and feels. Um, so, so this is a huge gray area. That being said, uh, so well, so so uh, sorry. Where I was going with that is one of the criteria is is it for a commercial or or a you know a non-commercial use. And while he's not yet making money off of this, uh, and and at this point probably never will, uh, his intent was for this to to be some sort of a biz- uh, to build a business around this idea, this concept, this tool. Right. Uh, so so he was using it in, in attempting to use it in a commercial faction. So, so that, that weakens some of the fair use arguments. Uh, but, but I think, uh, 
given what he was doing with that information, uh, he still very much had a leg to stand on if he had so chosen to, uh, to stand and fight. Well, if you just step back a little bit and just think economically, uh, or, or just, just think in terms of like innovation, in terms of um, the ability to bring products to people, is this, is this a project that's basically taking someone else's work and repackaging it in some fair, unfair way? Or is this like an innovative project that's bringing new information into the world? And it seems I, I, like I would it's say latter. it's absolutely the latter, um, unless there is a way to access the database that, that he's used to, to you know, test and train this and then extract the full text of a novel from it, which I don't know if that's even possible. Hmm. And if it was, I'm sure that there are ways that you could protect against that to, to make it. I mean, it's, it's just like, uh, uh, is it uh, not, not Google Scholar? Um, uh, Google uh, Books? May, maybe Google Books or Gutenberg or something that, that, that they have the full text of, of books in their in their database, but when you go to Google Books, you can't. You can only you know view a couple of pages from it. You can't. You know if if you're searching for something, it'll find oh the the part you're interested in is on page sixty five, and you can view from like page sixty three to sixty seven. But it's not going to let you read through the whole book, uh, at least can not in that search. All these books for free in the library. Well, so so that that was one of my big questions. Is I, I think the, the the concern here is not that he is using. I mean, so, put put aside the transformative or not work issue later. The 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 concern is not so much he's using our material and not paying for it because there are ways that he could access this without having to purchase it directly himself. He could go to the library, he could check out the books, he mm-hmm. could read them. Now the the question then becomes uh, because he's not doing this with his human eyes uh, and counting the you know counting words and counting adverbs and and you know. Uh, uses of the passive voice or whatever he's he's scan, or he's he's processing this uh with an algorithm and automatically analyzing that uh how slow would he have to do this for them to not be upset that a computer is doing it instead of a human being hmm. um which which is a quickly degrades into a how many angels can dance on the head of the pin question it, it's it's people being upset because a computer is doing it uh divorced of what actually is being done um yeah. and and may much much like quantity has a quality of all its own, uh, speed doing something simple it can be transformative somewhat in the nature of of, of the output. But I, I think you have to step back in this case and consider what is actually being done. It's it's an analysis that could be done in a much more painstaking and less rewarding fashion by uh, an intern or a graduate student. But he's built an algorithm that does it. Uh, what I'd I'd like to know is like how I mean. How do these authors make money and what are they worried about? Or, or are they just like, no, we don't see that this is hurting our wallet directly. We just have some kind of like um, ideological like, ah, you're stealing my stuff kind of a kind of a thing. And I, I need to protect my stuff. Because I think it's a little bit of both. Um, yeah. I mean, so 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 you could make the argument that marginally, even if he went out and bought a copy of every single book that he used in his training set or, or, you know, for his, his proof of concept. Um, most authors are making, you know, pennies less than a buck, a, a copy on this. So to each individual author, this is meaningless. But, uh, if you take that, that marginal difference, uh, and, and apply that argument to, you know, thousands and thousands of, of potential sales, then, then actually it starts adding up into real money. So, so you got to be careful with that argument, but, but is his, is his website like, 
is there a good argument to to be made like the website is like would be if it were popular would be harming sales in books? No, or, in fact, I would think like, it would, well. Yeah, I, I would think I would it would think be the opposite. Increase sales uh, un- books. Unless uh, I, I could see a case being made for uh, your your website has uh, analyzed my work and given it a poor rating and said that it's a piece of uh, literary garbage, and so that is reducing my sales. But uh, the the uh, as as the kids say, uh, get good. Uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that, the, e- the either are, the, the kids are saying that nowadays. Well, uh, maybe uh, maybe that was kids a decade ago. I don't know, uh, but. <laughs> It's it's uh, either the algorithm, you know, the, the his his tool will be determined to be not useful and, and flawed, or uh, it'll be providing valuable insight. Uh, and and uh, the only way to determine that is to actually apply it and use it, uh, and 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 yeah. look at the results. I it, think there. What, I what think it's what it is absolutely not doing is is this is not people are not going to say, oh, I can just use pro, prose craft and and look up, uh, you know, the the. Uh, I don't know uh, the next uh, George R. R. Martin book, and now uh, now I don't have to buy a copy of it and read it because I've looked at the the prose craft analysis. Yeah, that that absolutely that, isn't the case. It's not it's not no. reducing sales or or uh, demand in that way. I mean, you might be might be good for recommendations. Like you might have here's a book that I liked, and maybe I'll 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 read a book that has like a similar analysis because it like it fits absolutely. Me. And I then you can I, be think, like, I think I think. Authors are concerned that someone is using my work and they found a way to extract Without valuable value out yeah. of it, and I'm not getting a slice of the value. Which, mm. uh, I mean, th- th- there's there is a a a angle to that that is is very similar to what we've talked about in general in terms of of our personal data. That uh, you know the Googles of the world and and all the other large uh, you know social media big tech companies. They are collecting our data and they are extracting value out of it and reselling it, and we don't get a cut of it. Um, and so this is this is just that through the eyes of uh, of the fine arts. Uh, and and I so they're I, I think they're not entirely unreasonable there, but I think uh, they're definitely barking up the wrong tree here with this approach. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think by cutting off innovation, um, like they're ultimately harming the industry. You want a, a, a like it, it's. Like they're saying, oh, if we we allow all this stuff, it's going to harm the publishing industry. But it actually hurts the publishing industry if you don't innovate at all. Uh, and I think uh, I think they're missing that. I think that, I think I think someone's missing that. They, they, yeah. Well, and 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 I certainly think that that what they're looking for, and and one of the things that that was mentioned in the article is that a lot of authors are inserting clauses into their their contracts, uh, basically pro- prohibiting the use of of their published works for. Uh, you know, training of any large language models or anything AI related, um, they're 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 looking to protect those rights. Which okay, that's fine. Uh, but I think what they're what they ultimately want is they're looking for a uh, a pricing model for that that where they can sell those rights, which they're now reserving. That's going to be more than uh, you know. Google needs to buy one copy of my book so that they can use it to train their their AI tools or to feed into their database because. Like we said before, that's that's at the margin, you know, pennies for the author. They want something where every time uh, data from my book is used uh, to to support, you know, a query of some sort, that I get, uh, you know, maybe a fraction of a penny. But if you're doing that, you know, millions of times, that starts to add up. Is um, that a practical like? I, I think there. Uh, I, I'm sure that there is a model that can be, uh, re, re, you know, reached with an agreement. But I think they're delusional about 
how it's going to be structured. Mm-hmm. Uh, much much like I mean, it's 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 not entirely unlike what we're seeing uh, with with the uh, the the uh, writers and the and the screen actors guilds uh, striking currently that that they're not happy with the way that that uh, profit sharing is working uh, in, in the new streaming world, and they want a new model that's going to give them a bigger chunk. And uh, you know, are what what are they providing that that will justify that? Uh, we'll we'll see how the negotiations go there. But I think they're they're delusional to think that, that they they hold all the cards there. Hmm. That when you talked about you know people putting these clauses in these contracts about fair use, that reminds me of that thing you posted about uh, Nassim Taleb at the end of his intellectual. Yeah, yes, yeah, so I, I I recently read a post of his, which I, I think is is a an excerpt from from one of his books. Uh, I, I want to say it's Skin in the Game, uh, but yeah, he calls out at the end that that basically that that uh, this article can be repro- reproduced you know under fair use. Um, you know, just make sure you do it in its entirety uh, and and you know credit where the source is. Uh, except uh, uh, the you know the following publications are are prohibited from from reproducing my material without explicit permission, uh, and he only lists one one uh, <laughs> one, one media outlet. It's the Huffington Post. Huffington so. Post, all languages, publications ban. <laughs> it's the only one. Well, wh- I, I'm, I'm curious have? what the backstory is yeah. there. I'm, I'm sure that they they have uh, burned him, and and he has uh, a justifiable reason for holding that grudge. But also. Uh, I, I feel a little bit of schadenfreude there. Like they, they, just on principle, I feel like they're deserving of that kind of a grudge. I, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, all I can say is, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of things that that uh, could be listed where I'd be like, yeah, you know, I don't like them. I don't like them. But it's funny that he has one. Like they did something to him in the past that 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 really ticked him off. Uh, and, and maybe like he'll keep on including them in like every publication he ever does <laughs> through, through, through the future, even after the Huffington Post is uh, is long gone. Um, so, so the the one other thing I want to mention is we we okay. talked about uh, how some authors are including clauses in their contracts about AI and large language models. Um, it, it harkened back to uh, I think it was in 2014 when uh, Robin Williams passed away, um, yeah, and and it was revealed that that his his uh, his will. Uh, or I guess the trust that that uh, that uh, managed his estate. There was a, a clause in there that prevented his likeness being used for for 25 years after his death. And at the time, the big context that that, that people were talking about was this means there will be no Robin Williams holograms because I guess mm. the was it the Tupac hologram had yeah. had just made an appearance at you don't at see those or something as much yeah. Anymore. So the, those the I mean I, they yeah they they. They did not become uh, as ubiquitous as as we may have thought at the moment. But uh, I'm I'm wondering if if this is just kind of the next wave of that, and and we will see kind of a tapering that we we will find solutions for how to deal with this type of licensing and and move forward, um, or or only people who have uh, particularly valuable uh, uh, legacies to protect will will be able to put these restrictions in place. Um, and also, it's interesting that that it had a 25 year uh, sunset on it. That that maybe authors will uh, allow their their works to be used, but will have some sort of a uh, a uh, 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 grace period. Um, you know, I mean, that, and and that's right. uh, that, that's to a large extent how copyright and patent law works. Uh, they all have expirations on them. Granted, uh, they tend to be uh, at least in terms of copyright. What is it? It's like the life of the author plus some number of years or something. So, so it's a little bit different yeah. there. And Disney keeps um, extending it out. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, 
Yeah, so I mean, my two thoughts on Robin Williams is what he was in that uh, sh- uh, movie Night at the Museum that came out after his death. Uh, so I guess they can't put him in a, 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 another sequel to that. Uh, but hey, in uh, 2039, maybe we'll get another Robin Williams movie. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, I wonder if the 25 year thing was was specifically like he he doesn't want it to happen, you know, during the lifetime of his children, or 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 if it was simply that well, 25 years from now, if they stop using me, nobody's going to care, and so there's not going to be a point to take it off the shelf. I, I, right, I wonder where they as, came up with that specifically. He won't be as famous in 25 years, but uh, people will still know who he yeah, is. I mean, surprisingly, you know, I, I mean. It, in, it, in 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 2040, do you think do you think uh, uh, I mean, kids will you know, know a- AI Robin Williams will be able to to help move more uh, more bottles of Coke? I don't know. <laughs> Possibly. All right. So um, just uh, one tweet I'll read from Ink Bits Pixels. Uh, who who is this person? I don't know who they are. <laughs> Nate Hoffelder, web designer. Uh, the one thing that some are missing from the Fuhrer over Prosecraft is that it was very likely using works legally. The TLDR version is that the app did not create a competing work or reduce the value of a work. So its use of a work for analysis was legal. And that's one analysis. You said it's, it's kind of fuzzy, but um, you know there are people who are making that point. Yeah, right. I, I, I think what he says there is, is true in terms of, of not competing doesn't reduce the value of the work and, and was used for analysis. Uh, if it went to court, what would the judge say is is an open question. But but yeah. there's there's a legit argument to be made there. It's not like this is an open and shut case of, uh, yeah, he was obviously uh, using yeah. this inappropriately. The judges the, do sometimes, you know, not uh, side with the industry. Sometimes they side with the individual. So there you go. We can only hope. All right. So now we will start our segment. And now, the Probability Distribution of the Week. All right, the Probability Distribution of the Week. So we've done a lot of continuous probability distributions this year, haven't we, Aaron? They're getting increasingly complex. So (laughs) I don't think I need to go over, I mean, maybe we'll think of some more, but uh, I don't think I need to go over it. Last year we did- A lot of narrow corner cases of, well, this this is a special case of- you know, one that we've talked about before type, we could, type situations. We might be able to find some of those, but but uh, will we have anything interesting to say about them? I don't know. Um, and then, of course, last year we did a lot of discrete distributions, you know, distributions on, you know, uh, a set of numbers or maybe a set of all positive numbers or, or non-negative numbers, I should say, like starting at zero, natural numbers, let's call them. Um, so now I want to talk about something that uh, that that is not covered very often, but I think should be, and that is, could you have a probability distribution on the rational numbers? Uh, that is, uh, it, it's a probability distribution on the, uh, um, you know, so, you know, there'd be a certain probability that something is a half, there'd be a certain probability that something is a third, but there would be no probability that, that it's like pi or e or something like that. Now, um, the, the, the interesting, uh, so I think there's a few questions that come up. Uh, uh, first of all, like, why would you want to do this? Um, and again, I, I didn't see, an, I, I couldn't find any good examples that I liked. So I'm kind of making up, well, how would I do it? So uh, we're going to talk about Max's distributions over the, <laughs> over the rational numbers. And I have a couple ideas. So I'm going to start with one today, and maybe we'll go through another one, and maybe I'll come up with a third or a fourth as, as we go. So 
rational numbers, interestingly enough, um, there are a countable number of rational numbers, um, which means that the infinity size of the rational numbers is the same as the infinity size of the natural numbers. Now, that seems kind of strange because you think, well, rational numbers, you know, there's so many of them. If you go between one and zero, there's like an infinite amount. And if you take any little bit of space, there's still an infinite amount of rational numbers. But it turns out that you could come up with some sequence that enumerates them, which you can't do with the real numbers, which means most real numbers are inaccessible to us. Um, I don't know if I want to get into the mathematical kind of reasons for that, but the the basic um, uh, implication of that is that you could design... Uh, probability distributions on the rational numbers where any given point has a non-zero probability. So there's like a non-zero probability of a half, a non-zero probability of a third, you know, a non-zero probability of nine-fifths, all of that. And where all of the probabilities add up to one still, even, even on even on a basis of adding up an infinite amount of uh, uh, of probability, so that's kind of interesting. What you can't really do in um, you know in the continuum, you can't have okay every probability, every possibility between zero and one has some non-zero probability, and then you know it, it's going to blow up into infinity. What, what you really need is probability and density, and you do integration and calculus and all that. Um, so that that's an interesting point about rational numbers. I think so. Why would I've never run a a model on rational numbers, but but I'd like to. And the the question is, why would you want to do this? I think, first of all, there's this interesting concept that I'm thinking about, which is like snap to place. Like, okay, you know, we're running these models. We're coming up with these numbers. Wouldn't it be nice if it snapped to a nice, neat, rational number uh, from time to time? Um, Secondly, uh, you know, I think like when it comes to priors, like real life processes are often nice round numbers. Like okay, um, the uh, the the gravitational constant in physics, right? Is what is it? The uh, related to the square of the distance? Is that? Am I right on that? Uh, that sounds right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So right. So why is it the square of the distance? Why is it not? They're raising it to the power of two. Why is it not the power of two point one? Why is it not the power of 1.99? Now, it would be kind of difficult to, um, you know, if, if you were dealing purely on the basis of, um, of, of real numbers, you know, we'd, we'd never think that it's two exactly. But I think given the, given the fact that we, we've done so many experiments and it's so astronomically close to two, that it's like, okay, it's, it's, a, it's, it's exactly two, or, exa- or at least there's some physical reason why it's exactly two. Maybe there's some tiny little error on that that we can't detect. But it's, it's, there's some physical reason why it's exactly at that point. So I feel like there should be some reason. There should be something that like snaps you to the important fractions hmm. um, in certain cases. And then there are also physical processes where it's like, okay, I know I have the ratio of two things. So I know there's one physical process producing integers, another physical process producing integers, and I know I'm finding some ratio of that. So I know it's going to be rational anyway, if that makes sense. Um, so, all right. Uh, so let, let's try to think of some ideas on how to um, 
uh, how to generate a probability distribution over rationals, how to generate a prior over rationals. You know, like, hey, I- I'm thinking of, an ir- of a rational number. I don't know which one it is. What's your prior? And so it seems like, uh, just like when you do integers, the smaller ones, at some point, the larger ones have to be a lot less likely than the smaller, than the smaller ones. Now, it could be yeah. like you have a bump up really high. It doesn't have to be like zero. It has to be more probable than one. But at some point, you, you, you get so far out, billions, you, you, trillions. You got to have a tail yeah. eventually. Yeah, 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 eventually. So the, now for rationals, that, that, that's twofold. There's a tail when you go far. And I'm only thinking of positive rational numbers here. There's a tail when you go out towards infinity when they get very large. But there's also a tail you know, when you're dealing with like very large numbers uh, in, ter- in terms of like in the numerator and the denominator, and you can't really uh, put it into lowest terms. So if you have something like, oh, it's like some 18-digit number divided by some 11-digit number that's prime, so they can't be, well, yeah, okay, that's a number, it might be close to some other, it might be close to an integer for all we know, but that seems to be a very unlikely one. Uh, mm. Even if, or maybe it's an 18-digit number over some other 18-digit number, so it's some number close to one, but it seems very irrational-like, even though it's rational, if, if that makes sense. Um, so my first idea on this, and again, this is just a first idea, I want to run it by you and see what you think, is to take a distribution on the natural numbers, and we went through a lot of them. There was the exponential or the geometric distribution where it was like, okay, zero is a half, one is a fourth, the two is an eighth, you know, so on and so forth. There's the Poisson distribution, which is like a, 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 a common rate. Um, like, I think this happens exactly 10 per hour, but sometimes, obviously, it's going to be nine, and sometimes it's going to be 11. And then there's the gamma Poisson, which is a little bit more dispersed than that. So you take something like that, and then you say, okay, uh, the numerator is going to be distributed that way. The denominator is going to be distributed that way. That way, high numerators and high denominators have very low probability. And then the probability of any rational number, P over Q, is just the probability of P times the probability of Q, with one caveat in that, okay, what's the probability of half? Uh, well, that's the same as the, well, there's also a probability of two quarter, uh, of two fourths, and there's a probability of three sixths, there's a probability of, of, of uh, four eighths, so you have to kind of add all those together. Mm. But I think if you use um, one of these distributions on the, on the positive integers, or on the natural numbers, then the, those sequences will converge and, and you'll get a number. So that's my current idea. I don't know what that distribution is called, but I'd like to use it. What do you think? Uh, I, it's, it's intriguing. Um, I, I'm, I'm having difficulty visualizing where, what exact use case you would apply it to, but what, what you've said so far makes sense. Right. So uh, it has some interesting properties. One is that... Um, it is going to be uh, it's going to be symmetric around the number one when you take the reciprocal. So the probability of one half is going to be the same as the probability of two, and the probability of two thirds is going to be the same as the probability as three halves. So I kind of like that symmetry of it. Um, and um, what's interesting is that. You know, how do you have that long tail with that symmetry? Well, <laughs> one side of the symmetry is stuck into between zero and one, and the other side of the symmetry gets spread out uh, to infinity. 
Um, so I feel like if we're designing a probability here, maybe that symmetry is very important. I don't know. Hmm. Um, uh, particularly when you're talking about rates of things, but uh, that's just one of my hunches. Interesting. Yeah. So, so the, the, the question that, that immediately arose when, when you said, let's do a, a probability distribution on the rational numbers is, could you do a probability distribution on just the irrational numbers? Well, you know, that is an interesting question. Uh, I think <laughs> what you could do is you could take uh, a continuous distribution like, like um, let's say, the uniform distribution between zero and one, just a uniform number somewhere between zero and one. We don't know what it is, but that's a pretty straightforward one. And let's say... Well, first of all, if you pick something in that distribution, it's almost certainly going to be irrational. And I think if you remove the rational numbers from that, it, it, it still has probability one. So I think, I, I think, yes, you could do it, but it's not, it's not too interesting. Um, yeah. So uh, I think the rational case is, is far more interesting. The irrational one is like, uh, it, it's... I can't think of a good use for it. It seems like you're removing the rational numbers from a distribution that where the answer, you're going to be estimating it with rational numbers anyway. So mm. what's, what's the point? And that's another reason for doing this. Every single, um, every time we're, we're making these models in the wild, we are using floating point numbers. So we're estimating them using some rational number, uh, which which means, you know, why don't we just do a distribution on the rational numbers anyway? Fair enough. Which, I mean, that's one argument. I'm not saying that's necessarily uh, the right way to go, but I think it is one way to go that I would like to explore more. So, all right. Uh, I think that's, that, that's the what I have to say about that. I don't know if there's any philosophical questions about that, but, the, but it's certainly very interesting. What do you guys think? Uh, log on to our locals, maximum.locals.com, or just email us, localmaxradio at gmail.com. Uh, Aaron, do you have any other uh, comments on today's episode before we log off? Uh, all, all I can think of is, uh, you know, I... I I'm a big fan of the the whole information wants to be free, uh, yeah, and me too. and I think you mentioned uh, Aaron Aaron Schwartz uh, in in last week's episode, yeah. um, and and I, he's he's just uh, bouncing around in the back of my head between between that and and what we talked about today, um, and and while maybe not always free as in beer, um, that uh, you know free free as in uh, in di- as in distribution, uh, I I, I want to see more of that and and maybe. You know, work work towards once you've solved this constitution thing, then we can we can look <laughs> at another piece of the the the, uh, the constitution that deals with uh, you know patents and copyrights and uh, right. and how we can we can better better address uh, those those systems in a a modern information world. I think you know uh, um, when you said information wants to be free, I think. Another term I hear a lot in the tech industry, or you used to hear it a lot, you don't hear it anymore, is permissionless innovation and Mm -hmm. how absolutely powerful that is. When you open something up to the world, like the internet, like an open protocol, and anyone can build off it, you get massive, massive gains um, in, you know, 
productivity, human understanding, innovation. And it seems like uh, everyone these days has just been programmed to crush it. And so we need to unprogram them. <laughs> and so one step at a time here on the local maximums. That's what I think. All right. Uh, without further ado, I can adjourn this episode. Uh, <laughs> if there be no, uh, if there be no objection, do I, uh, hear I second the motion? All right. Have a great week, everyone. That's the show. To support the local maximum, sign up for exclusive content and our online community at maximum.locals.com. The Local Maximum is available wherever podcasts are found. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe on your podcast app. Also, check out the website with show notes and additional materials at localmaxradio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. Have a great week. Feel the power. 